It's our second to last show of the year, and we're talking about arguably one of the biggest phones of the year, the iPhone 12 Pro. I've had Apple's latest flagship in my pocket for over a month, but I still don't know enough about this to give it a good review, so I brought in a friend to help me out. It's the Benefit of a Doubt podcast. Welcome to the Benefit of a Doubt podcast. I'm your host, Adam Dowd, and this week we're taking a look at the iPhone 12 Pro. I've been carrying around this phone as my daily driver for over a month, and I'm still discovering things about the phone. As such, I'm not sure that we can call this a full review, but I've got John Rettinger here to hold my hand through this definitely not a review process. And for those keeping score, that's two non-reviews this month, and we'll get to that. But first, we have to get to the news of the week. Before we get started, just a quick update about the show and how it's going to pan out for the next two weeks. As it turns out, taking time off is really hard, especially when the holidays don't really line up neatly with your publishing schedule. Just to recap, I mentioned that I was going to take the week between Christmas and New Year's off. Well, the thing is that I publish podcasts on the 27th of December and January 3rd, and then we dive right into CES, and just what the hell? It's not really conducive to not publish on either of those two days, and I have an idea of what I want to do, but I don't know for sure yet. So here's what I'm going to tell you. I'm fairly sure you're going to get shows on the 27th and on the 3rd. I'm just not sure how long those shows are going to be. On the one hand, there's two holidays and my birthday in there. On the other hand... I'm a workaholic who loves his job, so what that all adds up to, honestly, your guess is as good as mine. I probably won't be doing news all that much, unless something gobsmackingly huge happens, so you'll probably just get main stories, but what are those stories going to be? I don't know. Will the podcast be 10 minutes long? Will it be an hour long? I just don't know. <laughs> it's fun, isn't it? So just bear with me, and we'll return to some sense of normalcy sometime around mid-January or so. I appreciate you hanging with me, though, so happy holidays, happy new year, and I'll see you on the other side. Speaking of my birthday, by the way, mark your calendars. On December 30th, which is my birthday, Cliff and I will be hosting a live session of the Doubting Thomas Monthly Recap on YouTube, and I'm lining up a few special guests to pop in and say hi as well. Now, normally this is a Patreon-only thing, but since it is my birthday and it's the end of the year and we're having special guests, I'm throwing it out to all y'all. So be sure to check it out, and it should be a good time. So keep an eye on my Twitter feed, and I'll give you more details as they get closer. I'm looking at it being an hour, and if you miss it live, it will go out to patrons on January 1st and everyone else a week later in the feed. Regardless, I hope you can join us on the day. I'll bring the scotch. This week, Amazon unveiled its first fully autonomous robo-taxi by its subsidiary, Zooks. And it's not what you were expecting. This is a four-seat carriage compartment with two front-facing and two rear-facing seats. It's basically a box on wheels, and I can't emphasize this enough. There is no driver. There isn't even a steering wheel or pedals. All four wheels can turn, and they're bi-directional. There really is no front or back to this thing. It's all really amazing and weird, but mostly amazing. 
I think. This is a big deal because let's be honest, if the goal is to have complete autonomy, steering wheels and pedals are a waste of space. This is both really cool and really scary. On the one hand, this is the future. On the other hand, you're placing your life in the hands of coders and AI. And I should mention earlier, I had to reboot my computer because I couldn't get Google Drive Sync to close. The same types of programmers that are working on Google Drive Sync are the types of programmers that are in charge of the self-driving autonomous box that drives at 75 miles an hour. Kind of gives you a really good feeling, doesn't it? Google officially discontinued the Google Home Max speaker, which was supposed to be basically a Google Home, but with really great sound for $400. Having never heard the Google Home Max for myself, I can't speak to that, but honestly, for $400, it should have come with a steak dinner and a case of bourbon, too. The Google Home Max did not, and maybe that's why it's being discontinued. Now, I'm sure there's a market for audiophiles who want smart speakers, but... I'm not it. I'm honestly not much of a music guy at all, so the whole Google Home Max thing was always beyond me. It sucks, though, for people who want great speakers and Google Assistant. Now, the good news is the speakers will continue to be supported for updates and the like, which is great. The fact of the matter is there are high-end premium speakers out there that sound better, cost less, or both, so it's not like this is an empty field and you still do have options. Google just isn't one of them anymore. Speaking of Google, Cloud Ready OS is a program designed to turn old-as-hell PCs and Macs into functional Chromebooks. This is handy because we've often talked about how Chrome OS is designed to work well on substandard hardware. It's only recently that some OEMs have started pushing superior hardware for Chrome OS, which is... Still a bit of a waste, to be honest. Anyway, Google acquired Cloud Ready OS, and it now owns it, seemingly with the intention of rolling out official support, which would be pretty awesome. Because really what the world needs now is more computing capability and less e-waste, and Cloud Ready OS seems poised to provide both. Sure, old computers are going to be bulky and probably a little slow, but they'll be a little less slow with Google at the helm, which is a good thing. And with more people learning from home and more companies realizing that working from home home is not such a terrible idea, Chromebooks are going to be in high demand, but looking even further out, schooling and work is becoming more computerized, not less, which means that demand for accessible computers that do a good job will be amazingly high, and if you have an older computer, it might just have gained a second life. Unless Google puts the program into beta and kills it three years from now, because let's face it, that's kind of how Google Googles. Reviews for the Lenovo ThinkPad X1 Fold have started to drop, and I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, hey, Adam, when's your review coming out? That's just what I asked Lenovo. Of course, Lenovo is shipping out review units to a list of reviewers a mile long that started lining up about 18 months ago, and <laughs> I've only been around for nine of them. So, yeah, I'm pretty far down on the list. Thanks for reminding me. Anyway, it turns out a lot of reviewers are saying that the X1 Fold isn't bad, but... It's a bit too much cost for what it offers. For those of you who don't remember, the X1 Fold is a 13-inch folding screen with a magnetic Bluetooth keyboard. You can use it in many different configurations, like fully open with the keyboard in front for a 13-inch computer, or folded like a teeny-tiny laptop with or without the keyboard. Not surprisingly, 
or surprisingly, depending on where you're coming from, the X1 Fold's main issue seems to be with software, namely Windows not living up to the potential of the folding screen. I get that. This is all kinds of new for Windows. Not the idea of multiple screens, of course, but in a constantly shifting form factor, I can kind of see the software taking a long time to work out the bugs. Heck, just going from regular mode to tablet mode on the 2-in-1 kind of freaks Windows out a little bit. And the thing is, this thing costs $2,500 without the pen and keyboard, which of course costs extra because, ugh. So all that's still a little hard to swallow for what amounts to be a beta test. It's kind of like that M1 chip thing for MacBooks, only slightly worse because at least the initial reviews of the M1 are mostly positive. Personally, I'm looking forward to the time I get to test this out, assuming I ever move up on the list, and frankly, I'm not holding my breath. But I'm looking forward to it because I sense a lot of potential in this device, and I'm the kind of person who can adjust my workflow to my conditions, not the other way around. What can I say? I'm accommodating. I'm guessing that this thing has flaws, but I'm also guessing that those flaws are very forgivable, and I just love to find out. This week, the first family of TikTok, the D'Amelios, saw their TikTok accounts get hacked and taken over, and yikes, that's no bueno for sure. First to fall was Dixie D'Amelio, followed by their parents, and here's where things get a little weird, because Charlie's account never got hacked, but TikTok seemingly locked her out of her account proactively to prevent a hack. Now... On the one hand, considering Charlie D'Amelio is the single most followed person on the platform, I can see why TikTok would want to protect that account's integrity. Hell, D'Amelio probably already has TikTok CEO on speed dial at this point. But on the other hand, locking someone out of their account because they might get hacked seems... I don't know, clumsy? And of course, all this reporting is coming from an Instagram video posted by the 16-year-old celebrity herself, so... Honestly, who knows? It seems to me something like two-factor authentication probably solves this whole problem, but maybe that's harder to implement than I know. I'm not a coder, but the dumpster fire that is Roblox has two-factor authentication, so why can't TikTok? I'm just saying. This week saw the release of the popular game Among Us on Nintendo Switch, and boy is my 14-year-old son elated. There's really not much more to the story here. Among Us is on Switch now, so you can get it, and my son is a little critical of the gameplay because typing on the touchscreen is not awesome, and considering discussions are a big part of the game, that's potentially not great. Anyway, good times. Congrats to Innersloth for being the developer of Among Us and making the next viral game, and good luck on your future endeavors. Apple recently updated its privacy policies, making it more difficult to track users between devices, and Facebook took exception to that, so it protested in the most un-Facebook-y way possible by taking out full-page ads in major newspapers around the country. It protests that Apple's privacy changes are harmful to its profits. I mean, um, to small businesses, because... What, Facebook won't know how to serve ads at just one device, and that hurts small businesses? Aha, uh -huh. all oh, right. Oh, small businesses, you say. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah, sure, sure, right there. Basically, Apple is making it more difficult for Facebook to know what you want on your phone and your tablet. Now, Facebook will just know what you want on your phone or on your tablet, so its ads will only be half as relevant to you or something? I don't know. I just find it hilarious that the company that makes its living off of online ads bought ads in newspapers like it's still 1996 or something. By the way, I didn't see the ads because I haven't bought a newspaper since... 
Oh, would you look at that? 1996. But I'm sure all the old people out there are really upset with Apple now, so good work, Facebook. OnePlus CEO Pete Lau sat down with InputMag to talk about a whole range of topics regarding OnePlus. They discussed the departure of OnePlus's co-founder, Carl Pei. It was amical, by the way. They discussed the OnePlus smartwatch, it's coming, and the recent deal with Facebook to preload that company's apps onto OnePlus phones. And that's the one that I want to address because this move sparked outrage in the OnePlus community because how dare OnePlus sign a deal to make money with their precious phones? Please. Now, I don't want to alienate the OnePlus fan community, but OnePlus didn't sell out on that deal. They just sold. A company is supposed to make money, and Facebook was willing to toss them a ton of it. And really, the only people who cared about these extra apps on their phones were the ones in the forums, which is decidedly a small minority of users. The world at large probably didn't care since they were probably going to install them anyway. By the way, this is coming from the guy who doesn't use Facebook and actively calls it the crappy company run by terrible people. Regardless, Lau said that they would roll back that decision and would not pre-install Facebook stuff on any further phones because apparently the company hates making money. And I get that. So the good news is, is that OnePlus is still very much listening to user complaints, even if those complaints are... Whatever. So, good for you, OnePlus fans. You stopped OnePlus from making money. And speaking of stopping companies from making money, damn! The U.S. government just tossed DJI, the world's largest drone manufacturer, onto the entity list. You know, the same entity list that has screwed Huawei over for the last two years? Yeah, that entity list. The entry cites concerns over connections to the Chinese government and human rights concerns. Reportedly, DJI has provided drones to the Chinese government to surveil the Uyghur population, which is next-level dark stuff. Personally, I suspect this is less about human rights concerns and more about the U.S. government being pissed that DJI would not give them drones to spy on Nancy Pelosi. But in all seriousness, if the DJI gave the Chinese government drones, and if DJI knew what they were going to be used for, then yeah, that's pretty terrible, and frankly, DJI deserves to be B-slapped like this until they straighten themselves out. The fact of the matter is, this is a major opportunity for other manufacturers to step in and wrest some control away from DJI. Let's be honest, DJI is basically a monopoly in the drone space. Sure, there's competition. It's kind of cute. As much as I like DJI drones, I would like to see another company or three pick up the reins and start to catch up in the space because competition is good for everyone. What I do not want to see is other drone manufacturers making up ground by doing nothing except not having to compete against DJI anymore because then nobody wins. I'm kind of drifting away from the point though. Spying on your own citizens is bad, especially when you're doing to those citizens what the Chinese government is doing to the Uyghurs. So yes, DJI DJI deserves to fall for this, and yes, that pun was very much intended. And finally, Christopher Walken appeared on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert and at the outset admitted that someone had to come over to his place and set up a video conference setup for him because, in his words, I've never owned a computer or a smartphone and I've never sent an email, and that's just... wow. I seem to have forgotten how not to talk like Christopher Walken. Huh, that's weird. Oh well, I guess I'll just keep going. Walken suggests that computers and smartphones 
came out when he was at a certain age where it was too late to get into them. And it was too early for it to still be a thing today. And I get that. Typical boomers, as the kids call them, don't really get into technology all that much. So it's just possible that it just never happened for him. But if I may, Mr. Walken, I'd like to suggest an alternate theory. Perhaps you are too rich and too surrounded by people willing to coddle you so that you never had to learn how to live in the real world. And if you think I'm suggesting that computers and smartphones and emails constitutes living in the real world in 2020, well, that's because I am. That's right, everybody. I'm Christopher Walken. I'm too rich to give a shit. It's been a while since we've done a Tech Yeah segment, and it's definitely time. This is a great last-minute gift if you need something for your boss or something that you admittedly like a lot because it's not exactly a fruitcake. This is the Pandora Portable Power Charger from Infinicore. I'm unboxing this on YouTube as one of two videos of the week, and it's a nifty little device that has a ton of convenience packed into a small frame. The P3, which stands for Pandora Portable Power, is just a hair over three inches square with a built-in plug. It's a 110 non-European plug, and it ships with a European adapter, so that's nice. This is an 8,000 milliamp hour battery pack with one USB Type-C port that supports 18 watt power delivery. You also get two USB Type-A ports, a digital display, and a power button all on the face. Plus, and this is my favorite part, but plus on the side you have a silicone ring and a Qi wireless charging pad. All this in a tiny 3 inch square package. For an 8,000 milliamp hour battery, that's pretty tiny. Plus, it has all the charging options you could possibly ask for. Power delivery, USB-C, USB-A, Qi charging. You can theoretically charge up to four devices at a time, which is pretty sick in this tiny package. The power puck comes in black or white. My review unit was white, and honestly, you can't ask for more in a charger. The charger retails for around $50, which isn't too bad considering all the options you have here. I absolutely love this charger, and it's become my go-to charger because it has a built-in plug. All that's missing is a built-in USB Type-C cable, and this would be a perfect item. Normally, this is where I talk about the negatives, and frankly, I can't find any. You get exactly what is promised. There's really not much more to say here, except just go get one. There's a link in the show notes, and on benefitofadow.com, and on the unboxing on YouTube. The link is basically everywhere, so go check it out. Our next guest on the podcast is a man who, I don't know if there's such a thing as an OG YouTuber, but he's OG enough that he just did not care about branding when he started. He goes a way back, folks, but you wouldn't know what to look at him. Indeed, our baby-faced guest today is very much like me. He only grows a beard to prove that he can buy alcohol. Only I grow mine also to hide my triple chin. We've seen him on YouTube. You've seen him on his own YouTube channel. You've heard him on the Geared Up podcast alongside Andrew Edwards, and now you're doing both on My Little Patch of the Internet. John Rettinger, welcome to the podcast. That was one of the nicest introductions I've ever had. You made me feel both old and young uh, at the same time, so thank you. It's amazing how that works, isn't it? Yeah, that was, that was very impressive. I mean, let's be honest, though. Like In our line of work, how old can you really feel? 
I mean, we I get mean, to play with stuff for a living. It's amazing. You know what? That that not a day goes by that I am not lucky and fortunate to to have the career and to have been just right place, right time um, to have yeah. it kind of fall into line. And and just you know, going back to the original, you are like one of the original tech YouTubers. Like John Four Lakers, you know, is like is up there in the upper echelon. I I think you predate MKBHD. I'm not positive on that though. No, I, I, I do. Um, you know, I think he kind of took took the reins, obviously, and reigned with it uh, much farther than I ever did. But no, you know, when I got my start, it was it was me and mostly Mark uh, Mark Watson, Soldier Knows Best, that were kind of uh, oh, yeah. competing yeah. in the in the very early days of uh, of tech YouTube. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 awesome, and you've you've built and discarded several channels along the way. Where <laughs> that where, is a true story. So so right now you have your own channel, which is, I believe is just called John Rettinger, right, or John for Lakers, or something like that, right? Yeah, I mean the the, the URL has always been John for Lakers, even during the Techno yeah, yeah. Buffalo days, but it's just been rebranded um, as sure. just my name since uh, since the Techno Buffalo sale. And you're also flying with the Apple Circle, although it looks, from what I noticed, it looks like you're not really on that channel. You just are the man behind the scenes. Is that right? It's amazing. It's actually a dream of mine is to be able to run a few channels from behind the scenes. Nice. Um, and sort nice. of use what I've learned to try to sort of help other channels grow. So uh, the Apple Circle is a channel that I started and, and own, but am, am rarely on camera mm-hmm. uh, for it. Obviously, it covers the world of Apple and hosted uh, very excellently. Uh, primarily by Robert Rosenfeld. Yeah, I, lo- I love the guys you have over there. So we should get to what we're talking about and the Apple Circle segues us nicely into our main topic of the day. This is going to be not exactly an iPhone 12 Pro review. I wanted to, you know, like the hardware, I just wanted to start mm-hmm. off. Let's just kind of go in order yeah. here. The hardware, I love it because it's it's a throwback to the to the iPhone 4 iPhone 5ish kind of somewhere in there and I should also mention that on your channel we ju- you just published the still uh, still worthy of a pro re- um, review on the uh, it was just Correct. a few days ago. I don't feel so yeah. bad about the fact that this is so late because you're just posting your stuff too. No, you know, I did the uh, same thing, you know, we 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 waited and then our, our 12 Pro Max review is even going up uh this week. You know, we kind of did the the one month later um kind of nice. style for the review cuz I wanted to use the devices as well for a, for quite a bit. All right. So okay, so but let's stick with the I uh, sorry, a little little digression there. Let's stick with the hardware. No worries. I, okay. I I love I love the hardware on this phone um because it's it's very it's very squared off, very blocky, very modern looking. I think the iPhone design language has gotten a little soft in the pre- previous years and now it seems like they're coming back to, you know, this really hard cut modern look. And so what are your impressions of that? So, I mean, I, I love the look and feel from a purely like aesthetic and in the hand standpoint. I think mm-hmm. the 12 line feels absolutely amazing. I think the four to five are probably the best feeling phones um, from as far as iPhones are concerned. So I'm, I'm a big fan of what they did from a design standpoint on the pro line. I like the sort of frosted glass on the back. Mm-hmm. I like the feel of the stainless steel, though I don't generally like the fingerprints that it leaves on the side. Right. Um, yeah. But uh, I think from a, a feel standpoint, it's got the right weight to it on the Pro as well. Have you have you held the iPhone 12? I have, I have the iPhone 12. Uh, not the not the standard iPhone 12. I only have the uh, the Pro because I have a very very limited budget. Right. <laughs> so the, the 12 has a very similar feel, but it feels very light. Okay. Um, almost like almost like the battery's not in there, and some people love that. Um, it was, it's a very jarring feeling, uh, at first, mm. um, but I think the 12 pro and 12 pro max is sort of that perfect, uh, blend of, 
of premium uh, premium feel. I'm a heft guy myself. I pre- I prefer it when my phone has a little bit of uh, a little bit of uh, ugh to Same. it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, so. I, I'm very much with you on that. Yeah. So, but just overall, I think the they really nail hit a home run on the on the hardware. Just I just love the look, and I don't think I would have been this satisfied with the eleven. Um, just because that's just not how I roll. But and it's funny because this is very different from most of the Android phones that I've carried this year. Just because it is squared off, and I think a lot of the design language on a lot of the other phones have gotten very soft as well. You know, thinking about the Velvet, thinking about the LG V60. Um, sure. You know, so anyway, I, I'm digging that. So now I want to get to the part that I'm really, you know, still still kind of learning. I want to talk about the software now. You have been on iOS. You've been an Apple kind of a fan. Uh, fan. I don't want to say fanboy, but you've been an Apple fan um, for quite yeah. some time. Although, if I remember correctly, right around Galaxy Fold days, you switched. I believe you declared on the Geared Up podcast that you were going to switch over to Android full time. So I, I, I do a, a generally a six month on, six months off thing to make sure that I'm sort of versed and updated and everything. So it's six months on iOS and generally six months on, okay. on various Android devices. So I'm, I'm, I'm still, I'm on the last, December's my last month of iOS and then in January-ish I'll switch back over okay. uh, to, to Android full time for a few months. Nice. I have, um, I don't know if, what the word is, promised, pledged, I guess, to carry the iPhone 12 as long as it's cold enough outside that I have to wear my coat with two phone pockets in it. <laughs> so, what, what, what prompted the, the switch to, to iOS? Um, it, well, okay, so I wanted to review the iPhone 12 because it's a significant phone and I would be silly as a sure. tech channel to not do it. But... I, when I started using the iPhone 12, and I used the iPhone SE um, earlier this year, but only for the two weeks that I had to because I yeah. kind of didn't like it. Uh, but so I wanted to, I, when I started using the iPhone 12, I realized that there were a lot of software tricks and like just a lot of software, you know, uh, aspects that I didn't really understand anymore. I've been using an iPad every day for six or seven years, but that doesn't give you the phone iOS experience, which I've come to learn. I thought maybe, I thought it would be good enough, but I'm learning that it's not good enough. There's a lot up to the phone that you just don't get on the iPad. So when when I realized that, I said, oh crap, I really need to learn this. And so that's when I decided that like total immersion was really gonna be the only therapy. So uh, even even now a month in on iOS I still enjoy Android a whole lot more and it's mainly because of my notification workflow. So I think, that, I think that's fair. Yeah. And um but I mean I'm I'm discovering a lot of things that I really like about iOS. What are some of the favorite what are some of your favorite iOS software tricks that uh, maybe the general public doesn't know about? Yeah, so I mean so first I think Android and iOS ultimately come to the same point mm-hmm. but they go about it very different ways right if you're trying yeah. to go around the world you can go left or right you know you can go east or west but if you keep going around you end back at the same point mm-hmm. they both they both just go around the world in in different directions yeah um i think the most elegant part of using an iphone when i am using an iphone is obviously the ecosystem play mm-hmm. being able to copy from my iphone and paste on my mac is magical 
That is really nice. And can I just point out that the two weeks after I started using the iPhone 12, I switched from a Mac to a Windows computer <laughs> as my main device. <laughs> so that was a poor choice. Uh, but we've discussed that at length on the podcast, so I'm going to leave that as But I, de- I definitely like that, that ecosystem play. You know, that, that to me is absolutely magical. Uh, probably one of my favorite things is the camera consistency. Okay. You know, it may not always take the best photo out of every phone, but every photo that it takes is always good. Some mm-hmm. version uh, of good. And somebody who's taken a lot of photos of, of, of my kids and, and tech running around, I like knowing that I'm always going to have a good picture, if not the best. And then the video fidelity that you get from an iPhone still doesn't quite hold a candle to what Android is offering. Now, it's Snapchat 865 got close. And I think the 888 is probably going to bring it to parity. Okay. But until those devices are released, the video that comes out of iPhone, um, I think, has been probably my favorite thing. But as far as, like, secret features, uh, there's some accessibility settings where you can set double taps on the back or triple taps on the back to trigger certain actions. I've been trying uh, so that out. Me, I, I haven't found one I like yet. <laughs> but, yeah. So you know, what's yours? You know, for me, it's a triple tap on the back for a screenshot. Okay. Is, uh, is a really nice... You know, option to have. It's something that's very simple. Hmm. Um, programming series shortcuts has also been really nice for me for automation. I think that's when people jump into iOS, they don't realize the power of what that app can do. Hmm. And even if they don't want to get into setting their own macros, being able to download a ton of them is really easy. And they're, those hmm. work. You just hit download and they work. So, so getting on to the uh, getting onto the camera, since you referenced that, mm-hmm. we can we can definitely yeah. talk about the camera. I was one one thing I wanted to ask about was: has there been a noticeable improvement in the camera from the iPhone 11 Pro to the iPhone 12 Pro? No, no. okay, no, no is the honest, is is really the honest uh, the honest answer. And I have a controversial opinion on the iPhone 12 line. Oh, hit me! And I know not a lot of, not a lot of people agree with it, and I get it, and I get a lot of heat for it. But I'll share it with you. And, uh, and your listeners, Adam. So there are really, there are four iPhones across the lineup, right? You've got the 12 mini, the 12, the 12 Pro, and 12 Pro Max. Mm-hmm. I argue that there are only two iPhones worth getting. Enjoying this interview? Did you know that there are over 10 more minutes of time where we talked that ended up on the bonus version? The full interview is available to all of my patrons right now over at patreon.com slash benefit of the doubt. For as little as $2 per month, you can get in on the ground floor of this podcast and help support the show. Plus, you'll get additional benefits like access to my Discord, early podcasts, bonus live shows, and so much more. Just go to patreon.com slash benefit of the doubt. That's patreon.com slash benefit of the doubt and if you don't want to be a patron that's okay too full interviews become available at the beginning of each new month so for example trimmed interviews in january will have the full versions on february 1st i don't want you to miss out just head over to patreon.com slash benefit of the doubt and you can listen to the full interviews even if you don't subscribe because i still want you to love the show there are more great options for helping me out at benefit of a support that's benefit of the slash support you'll get a list of all my affiliations and monetization options all wrapped up in a neat little package at benefitofadow.com slash support. I hope you visit. I hope you take in some full interviews. And as always, I thank you for listening. There are really, there are four iPhones across the lineup, right? You've got the 12 mini, the 12, the 12 pro and 12 pro max. Mm-hmm. I argue there are only two iPhones worth getting. Okay. Um, 
I know a lot of people enjoy the 12 mini for the size. Uh, for me, I will not be willing to make the sacrifice for battery life. Hmm, Once okay. the world gets back to normal and we're out and about and we're not always stuck at home, battery life matters to me. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, and that reason I couldn't use a Pixel 4, right? Battery life was so abysmal. Hmm. Uh, and I equate that a very similar battery life to the 12 mini. Uh, okay. I think the iPhone 12 is a perfect blend of premium size. You now have the same OLED screen you've got on the Pro line. You're missing the telephoto camera. Okay. Obviously, with, the, with its, with its two-time zoom. Uh, but the rest of the cameras are essentially are exactly the same. And the processor is exactly the same as a 12 Pro. Uh, I think the 12 Pro offers very little, quite frankly, over what you get for the iPhone 12, unless you have to have the zoom camera or you like the, the blue color that they offer. Okay. And I think the 12, and I think the 12 Max is where you get the best of everything. You get the best battery life. You get the two and a half times zoom. So I argue the only two iPhones people should consider are the iPhone 12 and the iPhone 12 Pro Max. Okay. All right, so Contro- I, controversial opinions. I, uh, I I know that going in. I'm just gonna take my iPhone 12 Pro and go home. <laughs> no, no, no. I controversial controversial opinions. No, I mean that that is a and you know what the best part about that opinion is it's backed up with fact. So um, I I know with my iPhone 12 I have forgotten to plug it in at night and like woken up the next day and still gotten through that day without a problem so i mean to me as long as i'm home this is pretty much a two-day phone so um and and everybody's home now so that's kind of that's kind of how that makes it easier that's kind of how that works so um all right so moving back into the uh, like now from a performance standpoint this thing's a champion i mean there's really no there's really no ifs, ands, or buts about that. I haven't actually run the Geekbench scores because usually I forget to run the Geekbench scores until like I'm actually writing the v- review and I actually write yeah. the word performance and I say, "Oh crap, I forgot to run the Geekbench scores." <laughs> so, but I mean, like, um, have you have you found anything to trip up this phone yet? Because I sure haven't. No, I I haven't. And I think the the switch from iOS to Android is just how the operating systems are are optimized. They're optimized just differently. Mm-hmm. I think Android needs a lot of RAM to run smoothly for a long period of time. Right. I think it runs its best when it has extra gigs to run. Uh, since Apple is vertically integrated, and at least that's what I attribute it to, it's a lot more efficient, right? They control everything about it. They're mm-hmm. not worried about Samsung skin and LG's skin and what Huawei's going to do. Um, you know, they can kind of have it all um, all together. Uh, so, I mean, no, nothing's tripped it up. Yeah. I mean, but in all fairness, I, nothing's ever tripped up the A13, the A12, the A11, like anything before it has always been fast. Apple's, Apple's chips are stupid fast. Um, and there, there's no other way around it. That's why the version of them is being used now in computers. I mean, they are incredible performers. Speaking of which, we can dip our toe into that water a little bit. Have yeah. you been running either of the M1 MacBooks? I'm actually, so I'm recording everything here on a M1 MacBook Air. Okay. All right, and how's that? How's that working for you? Did you get a review model from Apple that was like a couple steps up, or you run the base model, or what are you working on? No, so I did not get a review unit from Apple. I bought one for me. I was using at least for my personal computer it was a 2018 MacBook Pro. Okay, so I was I was I was getting close to due for for an update. Um, <laughs> I just retired my 2015 MacBook Pro, but fair enough. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so I I opted for a a pretty spec'd out MacBook Air. So okay. with the eight cores, um, was was a big one, and then a, a terabyte hard drive in it. Okay. I just I wanted to tr- I wanted to try the fanless experience, and also you know it looked different than my MacBook Pro I was using. Yeah. Um, and the best compliment I can give it is it just works like a computer. It works like any other Mac. 
Okay. I've noticed no issues, no emulation issues. The first time I tried to open an x86 app, it said installing Rosetta. 15 seconds later, it was installed, and it was good to go. Nice. Nice. And that was that was it. Like it, it works like any other computer. It's fast. I've had no slowdowns. Battery life is amazing on it, though. Nice. I used it for an entire workday, not plugged in. I still had about 20% left end of the day. Not nothing. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, awesome. All right, so we can go ahead and uh, transition back to the iPhone, and sure. we can probably start to wrap things up here a little bit. I know you've got a little bit of a time crunch. So, um, so w- my final thoughts on the iPhone 12, and there, I can't, I can't mm-hmm. say that my time with the iPhone 12 has necessarily changed this opinion, but... My thoughts are basically you get a flagship Apple phone, you get a flagship Android phone, you're getting a great phone no matter how you look at it. So, I mean, and it's just really a question of how you like it. Now, my two biggest foibles with the iPhone in general are Mm -hmm. A, no number row in 2020, for God's sakes, what the hell? And, (laughs) And two iOS has a lot to do with no has a lot to catch up on when it comes to notifications. Like there are some shortcuts in there, sure. but like my Android centric workflow just basically lives and dies in notifications. So that has been a major adjustment. But uh, but beyond that, I mean, like this is this is such a good phone. Why don't we have USB C? That's my only my third criticism, I guess. Um, you know, I would like to have a fingerprint bu- uh, sensor somewhere just because we're all wearing masks these days um but how about you what are your final thoughts here what are some things that that apple can improve on what are some things that you love what are some things that you think apple nailed out of the gate yeah so first i think any phone you're gonna buy in 2020 is gonna be a good phone you have to like really really try to find a bad phone you do you do i mean like really make a concerted effort to find any bad phone running any os uh apple i would have obviously welcomed the switch to USB-C. I think as everybody would uh, but it's clearly not going to happen. They're going to ride and die with Lightning until they go portless. And if they were thinking about phasing out Lightning, I don't think we would have seen it in the AirPods Max. We would have seen less devices, especially new devices, ship mm. with uh, with Lightning. I, I still maintain that on any of the iPhone 12s, that little 5G um, uh, ultra, not the ultra wideband, yeah, the ultra wideband um, antenna on the side looks like a fingerprint reader to me. Yeah, it I does. a very hard time rectifying in my head that that's not a fingerprint reader. Yep. Um, having said all of that, the biggest miss for me on the iPhone 12 line, especially the iPhone 12 Pro Max, uh, is high refresh rate. The fact okay. that that is still a 60 hertz screen uh, is a very tough pill to swallow, especially if you're coming from the Android world and you're used to higher refresh rates. Okay. And I know the argument that the fail rates were were high and they couldn't get them at scale because they're shipping so many iPhones. I understand all of that. Hmm. Uh, but it still seems like a really big miss to me on a device that's competing at that you know top, top end. Okay. All right. You know, I mentioned this on the Doubting Thomas monthly recap. I want to say it was in October. I just don't care about high refresh rates. I really do not care. I do not care at all. <laughs> so, and, and you know, I understand that people dig them, and I understand. I mean, that's that fair, right? But that, 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 that's the beauty of choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally, total, a hundred percent. So, the fact that it has a sixty hertz refresh rate does not bother me. So, but it's your biggest miss, and that's what. That's why I talk to other people so that people can get more than just my opinion, because you know. We, we all have different opinions, and they're all equally valid. So I'm not going to yuck your yum. You want 120 hertz? You take your 120 hertz, baby. I love mm-hmm. it. I love it. Let's do it. Or there, 
Or, or, or they're all equally bad, right? All of our opinions could easily be equally bad. Right, exactly. Well, I was going to go more positive on it, but yeah, well, uh, <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll dive down that, uh, that, particular, uh, sure. th- that particular channel. So, Mr. Rettinger, thank you so much for taking the time to come on with me and for dealing with Zoom's technical glitches. And I really hope that everybody's enjoying looking at the benefit of a Dow logo. And while they are doing that, let me go ahead and throw up some other graphics on here. And let me, let's talk about where we can find you on the internet so that people can come visit you and enjoy your awesome content. Uh, you can just, you can just search my name. You can just search my name, John Rettinger. Otherwise, uh, John four Lakers, J O N number four in Lakers. You'll find all of my, all my stuff out there. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, thank you again so much, John, for coming on. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. And that's going to do it for this week's show. I'd like to thank John Rettinger for coming on and chatting iPhone with me. And I'd like to thank me for my dogged pursuit of John Rettinger because people, trust me, that dude is hard to pin down. He's hustling. I'd like to thank Cliff Thomas for all of his hard work and implore him to treat the LG wing very, very gently. But most of all, and as always, I'd like to thank you for listening and for giving me the benefit of the doubt.